0: This is our last week, uh, now looking at this small book in the Old Testament, the words of the prophet Haggai. As I've said a few times, I chose this book for our school holiday series because there are many books in the Bible that we might not even know are there, and we pass over them because they're small and easy to miss. And those books, though, are ones that might have something in particular that God would like to say to us, and I think Haggai may be one of those. And so what we've seen as we've looked at Haggai over these holidays is that his prophecy was focused on the issue of the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem after the return of the Jewish people from exile in Babylon in the 6th century BC. The old temple that had been there since the time of Solomon had been destroyed by the Babylonian army. And a big task for these Jews who returned home was to re-establish the proper worship of God in their city again. And what Haggai does, as he prophesies, is to drive home the point to them that the temple is a symbol of the fact that God wants to create a home in the midst of his people, to live with them, to share his presence with them, and for them to experience the blessing of his spirit in their lives. So the temple is not just a building, it's not just a place to worship, it's a sign that all of God's people are, in a sense, meant to be a house or a home for the presence of God in the world. And we've seen as Christians that this idea uh, continues. We believe that the church is meant to be a place where God's spirit lives. Not the church, the building, but the church, the people of, who follow Jesus. And that affects the way that we live. It affects the priorities we have in our lives. And so Haggai is really a book about the home of God. You think about homes for a minute. One of the things that you might notice when you visit other people's homes and you know, when we're allowed to go into other people's homes again soon, fingers crossed, uh, is that we can all have very different attitudes towards housekeeping or cleanliness. So some households are very clear that everything has to be tidy and clean and in order all the time, clean and fresh, in case someone comes over. Other households, people are a bit more relaxed. They allow a bit of dirt or disorder in their day-to-day lives, different values. Now your attitudes on this, sometimes you might find they change as you get older, and your tolerance for cleanliness and dirt might change due to different circumstances. For instance, you might find that if you have children, you do need to accept there's gonna be a lot more dirt in your life from now on, and a lot less tidiness. Maybe just reflect for a second what your own attitude to housekeeping is. How clean do you want your house to be? The reason why I ask us to think about this today is in our reading from Haggai, the prophet opens with a discussion with the priests of the temple about the issue of cleanliness and what it means to do with the temple and the community of Jerusalem in general. And what does the Lord think about the cleanliness and the state of his people and his house? Of course, this question in Haggai is not just a question of a personal preference about how clean and tidy the house should be. There's much more to, much more to it than that. In the Bible, uh, if you read it through carefully, the question of purity and hygiene is actually tremendously important in the Old Testament, particularly with regards to the temple and the worship that happened there. Those of you who are familiar with the books of the law, you know the first five books of the Old Testament, will know that they contain extensive discussions of rules relating to purity and cleanliness and hygiene for all those people who came to to worship at the temple, to make a sacrifice or to pray. The book of Leviticus in particular has very detailed sections that deal with this. This is not something that we are necessarily familiar with, though we're actually more familiar with this kind of thing than we used to be. If you've ever grappled with a COVID-safe plan and the cleaning and sanitation requirements in it, you might understand Leviticus a bit better now. Uh, What we need to understand then as we come across this topic is that purity and cleanliness of this kind in the Bible, it's not um, an irrelevant issue. It is actually basically meant to be a concrete issue expression of the heart and relationship of god's people with their god being clean and pure externally was meant to be a tangible expression for this community that god's people are called to be holy and pure internally in their heart in their behavior and it was a reminder to them if we want to be close to god we need to be like god we need to be holy The implication of these laws then is that an impure people would not be able to come close to a pure God and this God would not live in their midst. And that is why the priests took such care over all the ritual purity rules. And so this then is kind of the background to the first part of our passage today. Because Haggai asks these priests a question which we have probably never considered, and I don't think you're going to be talking about it you know, over lunch with others. In verses ten to twelve, he, he says, This is what the Lord Almighty says. Ask the priests what the law says. If someone carries consecrated meat in the fold of their garment, and that fold touches some bread or stew, some wine, olive oil, or other food, does it become consecrated? And the priests answered, No. Again, it's a very it's a seem to uh, a strange question to ask to us, but it's actually a question about how holiness and purity works. In the temple, of course, there always would have been what we would call consecrated meat, which was meat from animals that had been offered to God in a sacrifice. It was considered holy. It was set apart from ordinary food and ordinary things. And the question that Haggai is asking the priests is whether the holiness of that meat, that food, is contagious. contagious. If this meat touches other food, does that become holy food as well? And the answer they give him is no. And that leads to the other side, which is the question that we have in verses 13 to 14. So under the law of Moses, a dead body was considered to be unclean, both hygienically, as we would think of it, but also to be unclean to allow people to come to worship if you touched it. So Haggai says... If a person defiled by contact with the dead body touches one of these things, this food, does it become defiled? Yes, the priests replied. It does become defiled. And so Haggai says, so it is with this people and this nation. uh, In my sight, declares the Lord. Whatever they do and whatever they offer here is defiled. So the rule was, if someone had touched a dead body and then they touched your everyday food, then that food would have become impure or unclean in a ritual sense or worship sense. So this impure person is communicating their impurity to whatever they touch and whatever is around them. It's a bit like a positive COVID case, draws all their close contacts and people who've been at the same exposure sites into quarantine with them. Again, so this might seem an obscure question to us and irrelevant to spiritual things. But if you really got to think for just a minute, what the ha- what Haggai and the priests are actually saying about holiness and purity, because under these set of laws about purity, holiness isn't contagious. That is, holiness doesn't spread from one thing to another. However defilement or impurity is contagious so if something is impure and it touches something else it makes it impure as well and the implication of this is very important to know is that this means that in this community holiness and purity are very fragile things holy impurity must be very carefully guarded because they are always under threat of being overwhelmed by impurity and uncleanness if they're not careful, their whole community will become unclean. Again, we are a lot more familiar with this style of thinking in the last year than we would have been before. And if that happens, if their whole community becomes unclean, then no one will be able to worship and enter into a right relationship with God. So that's their concern. And according to Haggai, this is what's happened in Jerusalem until now. The people of Jerusalem who haven't worshipped properly have become like a dead body or someone who's touched a dead body and now everything that they touch in their lives has become impure, even the offerings that they bring in worship. And it's affecting every aspect of their lives. And this was because the temple hadn't been properly rebuilt and that's what we saw in the first couple of chapters. His good news though, if we read through the rest of this section, is that this is changing this reality. This is what he means in the second part of the reading they are rebuilding the temple now and it's recreating this holy centre in the life of their city. And they are encouraged to remember, well, what were things like before you built the temple? How discouraging things were, full of shortages and struggle and impurity. But he encourages them to look forward to the blessings that will come in the future. You know, mark the day when this happens and see what God does as you regain your purity and holiness before him. So verse 19, from this day on, I will bless you, says the Lord. So that's what's going on in this uh, chapter of Haggai, this section that we just looked at. But I want us to bring this, of course, to our own day and to apply it to ourselves as we did uh, with the other weeks. But first we do need to pass, I think, through the New Testament and hear what Jesus had to say about purity and cleanliness because that's how we understand it. Because I think while Jesus would have endorsed some of what Haggai has to say, he did also turn the whole topic upside down and inside out. And the thing that Jesus, that enabled Jesus to do that, which is the key point that he understood very deeply, as not all of the religious leaders of Israel did, is that the temple has always actually been a symbol of the human heart. So the temple is always a symbol of, our, of the human heart. So this large, elaborate religious building in Jerusalem, with all its decorations, with all the ritual around it, the sacrifices, was essentially a picture of the heart of the human, of a human being the heart of and the heart of a community before god so anything to do with it in the end really just needs to be taken inside us you can't stay on the surface and be just be concerned with the rules and worrying about religious things we need to think about the reality and the heart behind it and this is what jesus did and if you do that the whole picture of what it means is changed Jesus was known throughout his ministry for spending time with unclean people. People who were known as sinners. People like lepers. People who could not come to worship. And if you went and if you did spend time with them, would communicate their uncleanness to you. Like a dead body. So Jesus spent time with these people. And this is despite the fact that he was very keen that people get their lives right before God and come to worship him. And we know he was angry when the temple was defiled. When he, we know when he came and saw all the buying and selling of the animals there, he was very upset. But this is what he said in Matthew chapter 15, verses 17 to 18. He's speaking to the rulers and the teachers of the law. Jesus asked them, Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's heart, mouth come from the heart. And these defile them. He goes on to say, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. So for Jesus, purity, cleanliness is about what's inside someone, not about the animals that they had touched, not about um, whether they'd been in contact with a dead body or not. And he says the real reason why impurity spreads from person to person then is that it comes out of us. It comes out of our hearts. It comes out of our mouths. And it spreads to those around us who take it in. And this can happen even if we're religiously pure and correct. Even if we wash our hands all the time. And I think arguably Haggai would agree with that, that purity is really about the heart but what is a revolution in Jesus, though, is the idea and the reality that he showed that holiness can spread in the same way that impurity can. Holiness can spread in the same way that impurity can. And this is why Jesus was comfortable spending time with lepers. He was willing to touch them and to heal them. Because when the lepers and sinners came into contact with Jesus, it wasn't the case that their impurity spread to him It was his holiness that spread to them because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He could not be made impure. And can you see what this means for God's people? This is what turned the spiritual and religious world inside out for Christian people and for those who had the spirit of Jesus in them. So instead of having to worry about keeping away from impure and unclean people and things so that God won't abandon them, God's people can now go out and bring the presence of God and His holiness with them to the whole world. And this is what we saw happening when we looked at Acts uh, in the previous term. Can, holiness is contagious now. And this is a good reminder for the church that we should never. Think of ourselves as a pure and separate group of people who need to keep away from the rest of the world and its influence in order not to remain, in order um, not to become impure. That's a a temptation that Christians have often given into. But Jesus says, you know, your purity comes from within you. Our purity comes from within us, from the spirit. And if it is nourished and flows, it will be shared with other people in a positive way. So I think the point is that for us, just as Haggai encouraged the people of Jerusalem back then, we also today should be concerned about how pure our house is, how clean it is. Is it in the state where God's spirit can live and work? Or is our heart full of things that make us impure? Are we full of hatred? Are we full of lies? All those things that Jesus said. If they are in us, they will come out. So I'd encourage us to think about what comes out of our heart and our mouth, as we, particularly as we engage in speech with others, since that's what Jesus was concerned with. And I would just put a particular word today about the way we speak in social media uh, situations. How, does, how are we sharing? What are we sharing? Is it lies? Is it hatred? Is it anger? Is it pure? But the main reason that we are to be concerned with the purity of the heart is not so that God won't leave us, as, the, as the, um, the Jewish people were concerned about in Haggai's time, but the main reason to be concerned about the purity of our heart is so that we're able to be a blessing to others and to share the spirit of God with the world. It's a positive thing. That was the goal that the Lord had in mind when Haggai told Jerusalem to clean their house. be ready for what God was going to do through them. So we're going to be finishing Haggai now, this week. Hopefully we all know now that it's in the Bible, and a bit about what it's about. Um, If you haven't read Haggai for yourself while we've been studying it, I'd encourage you to look it up in the index of your Bible and have a read. It will take a couple of minutes to read it. And then, hopefully we can remember for ourselves, as we read, the things that I think Haggai would want us to take away from these few weeks. Firstly, to remember, we are God's house. We need to make building that house one of, or the most central task in our lives. Secondly, the building work is hard. It is hard to build the Lord's house, but God builds with us. And what he is building in us and through us is going to be better than what there was before. And finally, as we saw today, we need to prepare our hearts to be the Lord's house so that the Spirit can live in us and be shared with others. So Haggai gives us a simple message then, but it's a lifelong task. And it is something that we can undertake in any season of our lives.